Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's going down? everybody welcome to a brand new episode of what's going down wherever you get your podcasts or, or on patreon ad free my name is kenny and i'm joined as always by mr finley martin finn how are you this fine tuesday are you feeling fresh are you feeling excited <laughs> i don't know where i'm going with that one <laughs> i'm a feeling actually i'm feeling pretty good because yesterday my combi boiler stopped working oh, no. so i'm just glad this isn't you know i'm glad that you know this podcast doesn't have like a you know an odor function. <laughs> and just before we we came on the air, the uh, plumber came around and managed to fix it, so I could have a shower today. So yeah, Excellent. I'm feeling good, and it wasn't here very long, so it shouldn't cost that much money. Excellent. So yeah, so I'm feeling all right. So um, I got my Vince Russo interview written up over the weekend and submitted that on Sunday or Monday or whenever it was. You've seen it, Kenny, haven't you? I have. I've, yeah, I've, I've been very lucky. I think I, I can say this because, I mean, I've, I've heard it as well. And what I think is important about me saying that I've heard the, the chat is that when I heard it, right, I was, it, it was obviously very intense, the, 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 the interaction. And I was very curious how it was going to come across on paper because you never know, right? If you're, yeah, how it's, and it really does, you know, when you read it, everybody, it, the way that you read it is how it 
sounded as well. Like it's 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 one of those things where because also because you know where it's going. So it's like, you know, I can hear Finn trying to move it on because he's realizing that Russo is just, you know, not living on planet Earth. So and then, you know, Russo's golden and golden and, and and all of that comes across on the page. And I think that you've been very fair to him in how you have because you've put the the full transcription of what was said and you've kind of surmised it on both sides. You've also kind of opened, you know, where well, he said this and, you know, given that that he said, you could have really put the boots into which you didn't do. So, but I think people are gonna appreciate it because you're kind of leaving the conversation to speak for itself, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And um you're right, yeah, people will read it and they can make their own judgments from the <laughs> text on the page. And, um, you know, I have no access to grind with this man or with anyone else, really, in wrestling. And, um, you know, I'm here to do a job. And as I said last week, it it, it didn't go exactly to plan or, or anywhere near according to plan. You know, it was just like when he went off on this bizarre tangent and I was unable to rescue it um but what was left behind was this strange argument we had um and you'll be able to read that in the next issue of Inside the Ropes magazine which goes on sale on March the 30th yes and it's uh yeah I'm very very excited that people are going to get a chance to uh to check it out it's um yeah it's 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 explosive i would say it's 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 exactly what because you know I'm, I'm a fan of your interviews and, I, and I, I love reading them and if you're a fan of finn interviews and you've heard this scenario that finn's talked about in the podcast you're gonna really love the t- this two-pager um and also the jake the snake interview is really really really, really great as well what's interesting about jake is that you can really see you know, Jake's not someone who says a lot, and Finn gets a lot out of him, which is 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 good. And he's he talks about a lot of different things. Um, you'd sent me something about about a certain Hart family member, which is quite interesting, very funny. So uh, yeah, I think people will get a kick out of it all. So um, anyway, um, we've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, we're on the, the road to WrestleMania. There's some there's some really exciting stuff. There's some. Some blast stuff. Now, I do just want to say because on Facebook, I do want to um, credit um, this person because I don't want to get the name wrong. We did have a message on the Facebook community from where is it? Because I made a comment about it, and I um... you ever got in your in your in your Facebook mentions that things just disappear? You have no idea why. Tom it Harding. Happens. It happens. I have this with emails. It's just oh, like, where you... is where have those emails gone? How dare Jeez. they disappear from me from my email, you know, package application? Gmail is the worst for that. Tom Harding, though, Tom Harding, um, <laughs> messaged us uh, to sort of say um, a quote from the Undertaker when asked about Bray Wyatt, and uh, <laughs> Undertaker said he is kind of a throwback. He is really into developing the character and making everything make sense, which I really appreciate. And he said, "Can't wait to hear Kenny and Finn talk about this one." But I just want to say. We will be talking about Bray Wyatt on Power Slam on Thursday because I don't want to. I'm salivating at the idea that people, some people, somehow think that Vince is back, and that's all of a sudden why Wyatt has downed tools and decided <laughs> that his creative <laughs> process has been compromised. I'll say um, another one on strike, Kenny. I know, well, all on strike this week. There you go, big spooky Bray. 
But we, we will get into that on Thursday. Uh, but I just did want to give a mention to it today uh, because apparently he, it is not a creative issue as to why he's not around. It's a, more of a he's not cleared type issue. Um, but we will hopefully by Thursday is whether we more that will come to light about it so we can kind of um, explore from... it in more depth. Indeed, indeed. So let's talk about SmackDown though. From this past Friday, the road to WrestleMania continues. We had a five way match with um, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Ellie Knight, Xavier Woods, and Poundland CM Punk, which is what Karrion Cross looked like through most of the match. Um, and this was, I mean, this was interesting though because it's five guys vying to get a shot for the IC title. We've got Imperium on the the, the ramp, the entranceway, kind of looking on, and then we get that double pin at the end with Drew and Sheamus both getting the win. I mean, I know some people quite rightly are saying that some of Triple H's stuff that he's done is not maybe hitting as well the women's stuff, which we can get to later. But I mean, in terms of the IC title, I mean, where the IC title is now, I'll give you a clue: it wasn't even defended last year at WrestleMania. And now it's one of the most focal uh, titles, programs, and um, I think they, they deserve credit for, um, you know, at the end of this match, Finn, the crowd were chatting triple threat. They were. I heard those words coming I from mean, the crowd. That's such a rarity to hear that in wrestling. So I feel like they're, they're doing a good job with this one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the match was, it was slow and pretty uneventful until they did their... Uh... There was like a, a suplex, a superplex spot involving Drew McIntyre, LA Knight and Karrion Cross, And that was the turning point in the match. And it felt like it really gathered momentum after that. Um, Sheamus and McIntyre, as we know, went into this match. They were friends and they had the big fallout the previous week. We didn't get the square off between those two until the very end, which I think was smart. Yep. Because, I mean, you don't want to dilute that or overexpose that at this point. And then in the end, we had a double pin. Sheamus pin Woods and Drew pin Knight at the same time. What mm. are the chances? Actually, I think I predicted that something like this would happen on last week's podcast. You did. They've been listening again, Finn. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it made sense. And then that led to a conversation backstage between Gunter and Adam Pierce. Poor Adam Pierce took another pasting from a talent. No <laughs> one seems to be happy with him, Kenny, do they? No, he is. I mean, he's, he's, he's getting it from both ends. He's getting it on Raw from Chelsea Green. He's getting it on SmackDown from Gunther. Um, I did like the idea, though. I thought I just thought the promo was pretty clever. With how Gunther was saying, you know, English is not my first language, but I am looking for an opponent, not opponents, plural. Um, which is a good way to do it because you know, if you're if you're a heel, that's the kind of stuff you do. You try yes. and weasel out of the the chance of losing two titles. So yeah, that's it. He wanted a challenger, single, singular, not challengers, plural. <laughs> Dereliction of duty will not be tolerated. I mean, those are words that I often use in my life. I use those words all the time. <laughs> so I guess I come to explain to Adam Pierce that it just wasn't good enough. And then Pierce um, explained that Drew and Sheamus would clash next week on SmackDown, and the winner of that match would face Gunter at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm thinking, Kenny, that something untoward it will not be a conclusive, decisive, one guy will pin or maybe the other guy submit finish. I just, I think something weird's going to happen here. And I think we're getting the triple threat match. I'm going to go even one further for you. I have a, I have a long-term prediction that I think they should do. 
um, that I think would make sense. What I think would be the best booking decision for this whole thing is, you know, ha- have whatever happens next week where they end up both going into the triple threat match with Gunter and have Sheamus be the one who wins the title at WrestleMania, gets his big moment, but have something happen in the match where he kind of takes it from Drew. And then on the post-WrestleMania SmackDown, the Drew heel turn. Give it to us. We're ready for it, Finn. We We're are. Ready. And then you can do a, you can do you can do triple threats. You can do uh, you know Sheamus Drew program singles with with the swapped about. I mean Gunther, that might be the best time for him to be moved over to Raw in some sort of post WrestleMania draft because um, he's kind of been you know he smashed through most people on SmackDown. At yeah, this point. I agree. So yeah, I think that I think there's. And it, it doesn't feel like... Do you remember when Vince was in charge and we used to have these kind of fantasy ideas that we were like, they were never going to happen. But we're like, well, you know, you never know. But this feels like it could happen because, you know, uh, Triple H is still around and, you know, the, the IC title is still getting all this coverage. So, yeah, I think that a Drew heel turn post-WrestleMania after being cost the title uh, could be something. I'm just putting it out there so that if it does happen, I can just take credit for it. Well, I mean, why not? I do that all the time. I mean, that's what everyone else does. I mean, be right. It was as if Vince, you know, derived entertainment from depriving us of the matches we really wanted to see. Yep. It was as if that was why Vince, well, I know Vince didn't really sleep much. You know, Vince got up in the middle of the night or whenever he got up. It was as if Vince's objective each day was to make us miserable. So, um. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens between Drew and Sheamus. But I think, yeah, I think we need this triple threat match. I think that chant from the crowd will have been heard by the creative people. And they're going to say, you know, this is what the audience wants. We've got to give them this. So I think we can have some some type of schmoz or some, some type of like screwy finish between Drew and Sheamus. The argument can continue. And then Adam Pierce can just say, well, the only way to sell this is triple threat. And then Gunter will come along and complain. But Adam Pierce will, you know, probably just set Chelsea Green on him or something. And Gunter will be like, okay, okay. We'll just back off. All right. We'll go along with it. Um, yeah, I, 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 there's, there's there's a variety of ways they can go. But I, I will say, you know, because we've just complimented Triple H and some of the, the position towards WrestleMania. And there are, there are some really hot programs. But the women's programs are just not that exciting. And on this show, we had Charlotte Flair, and she came out because she'd asked she'd asked Adam Pearce for a match, and she comes out. And I mean, she looks like a million dollars, doesn't she? She just looks the entrance, the the the, the gear. She looks great, and then she brings out Shotzi, who looks like she's stolen a kid's Playmobil that she zooms out in, right, to no reaction ever from anybody. And then they have this slow-mo match where they're doing there was a point they were doing a sequence where they were going so slow and then there was a bit where Charlotte actually put her arm onto Shotzi's back and visibly lifted her onto the the ring rope so she could do the Harkarana and you're like this is, this is, I mean Charlotte Flair's a good wrestler but she does need to have some of the responsibility for this looking really beneath what she should be doing a few weeks before WrestleMania. Oh, I agree. I mean, whose idea was it to book Charlotte Flair against Shotzi? Well, presumably Paul Levex. I mean, or or his you know people, his subordinates or whoever. But I mean, he approved this and she should not be in matches with Shotzi at the moment because Shotzi is 
I mean, it's just always problems, just always. And what I don't understand, every time I watch Shotzi, I just think to myself, why are her matches so complicated? Why don't they just have her doing really basic stuff that she can do without screwing it up? Um, like body slam, forearm, kick, forearm, you know, forearm to the back, you know, just real basic stuff. And Shotzi just, well, if you watch her, when she tries to put a match together, she always does things that she can't do. And I just don't understand why they allow her to do these things or allow her to tempt these things because it almost never looks professional. And in the process, she drags her opponent down with her. Now, sometimes it doesn't really matter, but it absolutely did matter here against Charlotte Flair on the March the 10th SmackDown. I mean, you know, there's only three more SmackDowns before WrestleMania and Charlotte should not be in matches of this caliber on TV so close to such a big match, especially since there's reports flying around that potentially Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley will headline night one of WrestleMania. I mean, I'll say, I'll say this now. There's no, I mean, I'm, and I'm all for equality, you know, so I, it's not that, but there's no way this match should headline night one. There's no heat to it whatsoever. Um, you know, Rhea is a really good heel character who, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair should have been the match. That should have been the match. And it feels that we've taken both of them away and put them in separate things. I think the problem with Charlotte for me is, is that she's kind of, although she's a really, really good wrestler and she's got a star power, she always feels that like she's just kind of in this middle bit where she's not really a great heel anymore. She's never really a great baby face. So and it just, it just doesn't seem to work. You know, she she's in these programs all the time and none of them seem to work. And I don't know why that is, but yeah, I just don't, this Rhea and Charlotte and then, you know, Bianca and Asuka and Raw as well, that's got no story whatsoever. No, no, that's, so, that's, um, that's just, it's just got, it's just, it never got started. I was going to say it's got stuck, but it just, you know, it just never, it never began moving. You know, it's not that it's stalled. And it, it just actually, has never taken off. Yeah, and it reminds me actually. Of, I remember, I remember being on an AEW conference call. I think, I think it was for Revolution twenty twenty one. I want to say, and I think the women's match in that show was Hikaru Shida against Nyla Rose. I want to say that was the women's match. And somebody on the call <clears throat> had asked about you know the representation of women's stories and da da da. And Cody had kind of made this point of well, you know, not every match is going to have you know an entertainment type story. Sometimes it's just about prize fighters and they want to fight for a championship and that's true if the characters who are doing that are already fully formed have had loads of stories to get over and then you can kind of just put them in this big fight scenario and it's going to work but when there's people who you you know ask us come back what's Asuka's story what's her motivations we don't know she's just well, well the problem with that is that they're both faces so that's a problem so we can't really have ask I mean I think Ripley and Flair can still be saved. We've still got three episodes of SmackDown yet before WrestleMania. So I think WWE, you got to give them, you got to watch, let the story play out. So, I mean, we haven't had that moment yet when Ripley's attacked Flair and beaten her down. I mean, that will either happen this Friday or the following Friday. But we need that big beat down angle in which Ripley absolutely leathers Charlotte Flair. Yep. She's, I mean, we need that heat. We need that. Flair, Charlotte Flair, seeking vengeance, seeking retribution. We need that Rhea Ripley 
powerhouse beat down and you know I'm going to take your title. We need. I mean, I mean, we we talked about this some time ago. Is that WrestleMania in years gone by has often peaked early. I mean, that hasn't happened this year. People say, well, you know, it's not peaking at all. Well, I say give it a chance. And I think in some of the matches where there isn't a huge amount of interest, I think that will increase over the next few weeks. Um, And I think that will be the case with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. With Asuka and Bianca Belair, I'm not convinced it's going to heat up in any way because they're both faces. And that's problematic when you've got face versus face and neither character is... I mean, Bianca Belair was over a couple of years ago. It doesn't really feel like she is anymore. I mean, as you say, Asuka returned at the Rumble with this new face paint and this new look, and that really did make an an impression on the night. I thought she had a good night Elimination Chamber. But this feud just doesn't seem to be much in the way of chemistry there. And it's like they don't really know what to do with Asuka and Bianca Belair. And like, I'm not sure what they are going to do. I know what they're going to do with Ripley and Flair. There's going to be a big beatdown, but I'm not quite sure how they're going to play it with Asuka and Bianca. I mean, I will say one thing, because I mean, there, there are absolutely WrestleMania matches that do feel like that there's great story and they're peaking. What I will say is a negative towards Rhea and Charlotte. They announced Rhea as Charlotte's opponent the SmackDown after the Royal Rumble six weeks ago, and they have done nothing to get us into this match. They've had so much time to do something. Not, you know, maybe not the big beatdown angle yet, but They've not given us anything, and that's the problem, is that yeah. I think you really, especially when you see programs like The Bloodline and Sammy and Kevin Owens, or Ray and Dom, or even Edge and Balor, and all these people who are in these long-term programs, and they've had six weeks, and they've done nothing. With Bianca and Asuka, I mean... I mean, they haven't done nothing. I mean, they have done nothing that's resonated. You know, there's nothing... There's nothing about, you know, all we've got so far is Rhea wants to avenge her 2020 loss. Yes. And that's kind of where we are. But I guess part of the problem is that Rhea's over on Raw doing all the Judgment Day stuff. Indeed. And then Charlotte's not. Because Charlotte doesn't really look like she's that interested in facing Rhea Ripley. She's interested in being the queen of the division. But she doesn't look like she's interested in, in in anything else. And, um, you know, she's she's the veteran. She's the one who should be... Uh, I mean, I feel like Bianca Belair is putting in more of an effort with no story in Asuka than Charlotte is as the kind of bigger promoted star that she is. I don't think there's much in it, really. I mean, I think I've got a hell of a lot more faith in Charlotte Flair than I have in Bianca. Uh, but I do get what you mean about Charlotte. I mean, she is miscast as a baby face. We all know that. I mean, it was a shock when she returned in December... As a face, I mean, I suppose it made sense that she would do that. And then she, you know, became champion. She had the match with uh, Ronda, which made sense because obviously Ronda was the one who supposedly injured her back in May and sidelined her all year and what have you. So, I mean, you know, that was that was the other end of a story that had begun in spring. So that did. I understand. I understand why they did that. Uh, and it was the right thing to put the belt back on Charlotte. But you're right, she's a baby face and she just, it's not really her forte. She's just not a likable character. And I don't think Rhea is really being evil enough against her. But as I said, I don't need to bang on about this anymore. There's going to be something, something will happen between these two, between Rhea and Charlotte, if not this Friday, certainly the Friday after. And I think that will be the turning point and it needs to be good. 
It needs to be vicious, Kenny. You know, it needs to be a hell of a beatdown because we need a reason to care and they haven't given us it yet. Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, let's not forget, last thing I'll say on it is um, Charlotte was involved in a women's title match last year at WrestleMania and it had no heat. Now, obviously, that was because she was with the charisma vacuum that is Ronda Rousey. But yeah. at the same time, you know, this year, she, you can't really blame it on anybody else because Rhea is the hot character. So it's yes. just pretty easy to get stuff out of her. But um, elsewhere on SmackDown, of course, it was all about Jey Uso. He had arrived at the start. He said he was going to speak to the people about what happened. And he came out and I thought cut a really good promo about, you know, he had to do what he had to do. You know, Sammy didn't give him a choice because it got to a point where Jimmy was going to get the chop if he didn't fix it. And, um, you know, he said, all you had to do was fall in line. You didn't do it. And then Cody ends up coming out and a big brawl ensues when Sammy attacks from behind. And then we get Cody and Sammy stand tall at the end. I mean, it was another really good slice of the story where, where, we're getting closer, I'm guessing, to Sammy and Kevin Owens teaming up. But what did you make of JSO's explanation that we've been waiting for? Yeah, it all made sense. I mean, um, people have been, you say that people have been asking him why he betrayed Sammy Zayn. Jane said, you know, you want to know, uh, sorry, Jay said, uh, you want to know why I did it? Because I had to. I didn't want to do it, but I didn't have a choice because Jimmy was his brother and Sammy wasn't. It was that simple. And Jay blamed Sami Zayn. Jay, Jay said that Sami was selfish. All he had to do was fall in line, like Roman Reigns said. Um, and then he kind of moved on and said, well, that's it. You know, Sami has been dealt with. The, pro the only problem remaining is Cody Rhodes. And at that point, um, Cody came out and then Sami ran in. And then there was a scrap between Sami and Cody and Jimmy and Jay and Cody and uh, Sami Zayn, they sent Jimmy and Jay packing. Now, I don't know whether that's going to lead to a match between those four. Four, probably not. Um, I don't think it's going to because that would be problematic in terms of the finish. And you don't really want to overexpose Cody Rhodes in the ring. So, um, but I mean, it made sense that Cody would be scrapping with Jimmy and Jay and also for Sami to do the running as well. And Sammy wasn't on Raw last night, was he, Kenny? So he, he, we needed this appearance from him. Yes. And Sammy was noticeably conspicuous by his absence <laughs> uh, when Kevin Owens was beaten down by three members of the bloodline at the end of Raw. No Sammy Zayn to make the save. No Sammy Zayn to make the save, which is, you know, is important because you've kind of got, because, yeah, and we'll get to that in a second, but I mean, it's 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 clever. They're, they're, they're doing it in a very clever way. Um and yeah, I mean, I thought that, I thought the Jay Uso explanation was really good. And... It, it did. I mean, it, it was it was totally logical. It was exactly what we thought he was going to say, and it was exactly what he needed to say. Yes, you know, we all understood where he was coming from, and and even he was actually throwing it out to the audience. He said, "Well, what would you do? You know, if it was yep. a member of your family, and you know, you couldn't afford to pay the electric bill, what would you do? You know, what would you do if he was starving to death? You know, would you go out to the you know, to Aldi and you know, get one of those really nice pizzas. Of course you would. The thing that clinched it for me was was the explanation about Jimmy was going to go down for this. That's the key. Because Jay, Jay was going to recuse himself, but then when Jimmy was compromised because of it, 
he had to pick a side. He had mm. to. So, yeah, lots of nuance. Let's move on to Raw, where we had lots more WrestleMania build. We opened the show with Edge coming out, called it Finn Balor, and he basically said, you know, I've been fighting you guys for a year, and it needs to end, so I'm challenging you. Edge versus Finn Balor at WrestleMania in hell in a cell. And then Balor said, um, I've been to hell, and I was spit out because hell couldn't handle my demons. And uh, Ooh, there's a hint there. There's a hint there, and then Edge kind of had a you know concerned look, and then then Judgment Day ran down to attack Edge, and Johnny Gargano and Dexter Lewis made the save, who were going to be facing Judgment Day after it. But there have been long rumors that Balor and Edge was supposed to take place at the Rumble in Hell in a Cell, with it being Demon Finn Balor against Brood Edge. But Edge was filming a TV show, so there was no time for him to come back and build it. So now we're getting it at WrestleMania. And I mean, does that, I mean, Finn, can you imagine if we get a hell? Who would have had in 2023 on their, their bingo card a Hell in a Cell match that may involve a Gangrel appearance? <laughs> we can only hope, Kenny. We can, we can only hope. We can only hope. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like, I feel, I mean, the crowd really reacted to the announcement. I feel like it's, it's a step in the right. It's a step in the right direction of a Hell in a Cell match being the end of a feud that's been going on for a while. So, of course it is. We talked about this before. Yeah. The, you know, the gimmick should fit the feud, not vice versa. You know, if you are trying to like artificially manufacture a match or a feud to fit a gimmick match and it doesn't really work, it devalues and dilutes the importance, novelty, you know, special aura of that gimmick match. It feels like, this feud is big enough that it needs a Hell in a Cell match to settle it. So uh, we know this is going to be the end of the line between Edge and the Judgment Day. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say, I think I am looking forward to the match. I certainly don't want to see any more matches between Edge and the Judgment Day after WrestleMania. That This will be the end for me. And I hope Balor wins. I think he will. Um, and I think it's actually played out in the right way because I think we needed that Rhea Ripley, Beth Phoenix um, yes. Collision, and we got that elimination chamber in the mix match, and I really enjoyed that match. I thought it was very well done. Um, you know, and that's another part of the reason why you know Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair has not really accelerated at the rate that we would have liked because she's been preoccupied with these you know other matters. Yes. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I'm sure Edge will be motivated to really put on a heck of a performance. I think this will probably be his last WrestleMania, I would think, as a wrestler. He sort of hinted that this will be his last year in the ring. Yeah. And, and I mean, unless they unless they come up with something to kind of go, you know, do you want to retire at WrestleMania? But he's already said he wants to retire in Canada, ideally. And I mean, yeah. see, to be honest, if you've got Edge, I, I say book a pay-per-view in Canada and make it like, it might not be a Sami Zayn level of, but, you know, you could do a big show with it being Edge's last one build up something. Um, I think the, the issue is that Edge is now an actor. And we've talked about this before, how he likes to bring his actor performance into into his wrestling stuff. And I think he's kind of ran out of people to do that. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like, who else, who else, are, we, who else are, you, are we clamoring to see edge face at this point? Yeah, well, I mean, sure. he's already done the Roman Reigns feud. He can't go back to that. Yeah, Rollins I mean, done. I mean, yeah, I mean, he can't really turn heel again because he was a heel last year and no one really wanted to boo him and now he's a face again. So he's got to go out as a face, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, it would be absurd if he were to turn again. So I'm not really sure who else there is for him to face. Um I mean, possibly brought Les now, but would he really want to put himself in a match with that guy and take those suplexes with his history of neck damage? Probably not. Yeah. It's um I mean, yeah, I, I don't know who else he would face, but I do think it's better to go out on go out on a high. And people are still yeah. really into him. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Um elsewhere on the show we had <laughs> so we had MVP and Omas come out. And then Brock Lesnar came out for their confrontation. Uh, Lesnar ends up, you know, sort of squaring up to Omas. There was a holy shit chant from the crowd, which <laughs> is, I mean, talk about being handed a, a goose when you've not given people that. I mean, and the crowd seemed to be into it. Omas put his big fist, uh, you know, into on, in front of Lesnar's face, and then he goes to shake his hand, and, he, and when Lesnar goes to let go, he won't let go. So Lesnar stomps on his foot and then Omas has to pie face Lesnar over the top rope. But of course, he botches it and can't do it because he can't wrestle. And um, I'm in this weird place where I'm I'm really looking forward to what this is going to be. But maybe not for the reasons that I should be looking forward. Like, do you know that way? Like, it's like, it's a, you know, it's like a, 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 a crime scene that you can't quite look away from. Yeah. What did you what did you think of this build for Omas and Brock? Uh, I mean, MVP was out with Omas, and I thought they did a really good job with Omas and the way they shot him, and and he managed to play it straight. He didn't crack up, you know. He, he looked mean. He looked tough. So I mean, that must have been pretty pretty difficult for him not to lose it because Brock's out there grinning and just you know having a ball. You know, some of those expressions, I've just been watching Taxi Driver again because it's just about to be removed from Netflix. So I thought I'd watch it again. And Robert De Niro, just some of the expressions in that when he's like pulling those funny grins. I don't know, it just reminds me a lot of Brock Lesnar. I don't know why. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, it's just it's just like Lesnar's just sort of doing it and you just sort of think, is he, is he having like the greatest time in the world or what? Oh, and I think he is. I just think he's just thinking, how much are they paying me for this? They're paying me so much. Life is good. <laughs> I think that's what he thinks when he's out there. Uh, so I thought, yeah, I thought almost did well. You know, put his hand out. Lesnar, as you said, uh, he did the handshake. 
And then Olmas refused to release uh, his grip. And then Lesnar stomped on his foot. And that led to a little mini scuffle. And either Olmas was supposed to, like, you know, pie face him over the top rope or clothesline him over the top rope. And Lesnar didn't really go over, which was a bit odd. Because if you go and look at some of the ways that he's been ejected from Royal Rumble matches, he just floats over the top, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He just flies over the top <laughs> rope. So that was a bit odd. And I don't know whether he did that on purpose or not. I mean, I can't imagine that he would because I think Lesnar is on board with this and he wants it to succeed on whatever level. You know, he wants it to be as good as it can be, I'm sure. Um, And then Lesnar was at ringside and people were like, what's he going to do? He's going to go back in for sure. And instead he asked for his hat and then he walked off. And it's like, wow. So I'm going to give Lesnar a lot of credit here for backing down from Omas and trying to and making him look like a killer, making him look tough. I think you've got to give him, you know, a huge amount of credit for that, actually. Mm-hmm. Because now people are looking at Omas and thinking, wow, Lesnar's afraid of him. He's backed down. He's walked off. So that's what was needed, I think. Uh, because, no, I mean, who really believes that Omas is going to win? I mean, he might. But I, I mean, I wouldn't book that outcome. I just wouldn't. And uh, I wouldn't be the one to. I wouldn't be the one. I wouldn't like to suggest it to Brock either. You know, maybe you do that one by a text message, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. Uh, I wouldn't be going. Wouldn't be clamoring to deliver that message to Brock. I, th- I think Brock's just so over the moon that he doesn't have to work with Bray Wyatt. Yeah, he's just sort of like I'll, I'll happily work with Omas. Yeah, because and actually, I mean, you, you can actually see. I'm, I'm not for a second saying that this is great creative from them at all with Omas, but if you look at when they stood face-to-face and the crowd are chatting holy shit or whatever, the end of this is clearly going to be Brock Lesnar f 5 in him. Yeah. And pinning him. So it's going to be this big moment and Lesnar will remain. But imagine if Lesnar... If Lesnar had worked with Wyatt, he would have had to basically trust Wyatt. And Bray Wyatt has a 100% record for weakening the people he works with. Every time. Like, maybe you could argue Daniel Bryan, even Daniel Bryan, when he came out of the, after he worked with him at Royal Rumble, got into that match with Roman at that WrestleMania, he didn't feel that hot. No. So, yeah, if, if I was Brock, I'd be, sign me up, coach. I'll do a return match with Omas if you want. Just keep me away. Keep me away from, I mean, even, you could even argue that when Goldberg defeated The Fiend for the Bell in 2020, that week in Goldberg, because people were so upset with the match, yeah, even though he won, people were so miffed with the way that played out. I, I, it didn't do, you know, it didn't do him any favors either. I think everyone just thought, "Is that it?" And then he dropped the belt to Strowman, didn't he? Yeah, it's just bizarre. But I mean, I, I totally understand Brock Lesnar's, you know, joy. <laughs> not get to work with Bray. Um, Elsewhere on Raw, what else do we have? We had Cody Rhodes in a match with LA Knight, which went about 10 minutes. And they're building, I mean, LA Knight's been building it on social media that uh, the LA WrestleMania has to be, has to have some LA Knight. Now, there are rumours that WWE are still trying to get Steve Austin to do a match at WrestleMania. And it would be a similar type of thing, but it's a last minute thing. Do you think if LA Knight was the person if it was kind of like the Kevin Owens situation last year, is, would that be good for Knight to do, or or is it better than nothing? Like, what would you say? 
Um, well, I mean, it's better than nothing, of course. I mean, and especially just to be in there with Austin, I think would be a thrill for Knight. I mean, he's been doing this a long time. I mean, he's in a strange position right now. I mean, happily, I think he's going to be all right. I said this last week, I think it was. Um, because I think people, after he turns babyface, will really get into this character. They always have done everywhere he's gone. Um, and I think they really will pop for him when he turns face. And I think working with Austin and just doing some back and forth banter with Austin, I think could be very flattering for Knight. And if he has like a four minute match with Austin and loses, which of course he would, as long as he has some offense, I don't think it would do him any harm. And I think if that's combined with a baby face shortly after WrestleMania, um, I think he could be well on the road to, you know, well, I mean, he's never really become a star on the main roster because he, as we know, he came in as a, as the leader of Maximum Male Models and then he you know, dumped that character and then he became LA Knight. And then next thing we know, he's embroiled in this strange feud with Bray Wyatt, which ended up being a disaster for him at Raw Rumble, disaster for all of us at Raw Rumble. So he's been attempting to sort of rebuild his reputation ever since. But yeah, doing something with Steve Austin at WrestleMania would be enormous for him. So I hope it comes off. Uh, so, so Knight got a good. Part, you know, he got ten minutes in with Cody. It's pretty decent. And I don't think Cody made him look like a chump at all. No, no. I thought it was a, a nice little back and forth match, and um, I thought it, I thought it did everything it was supposed to do. Rhodes scored a decisive victory. Of course, he should have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's facing Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, so um, yeah, I thought it was. I thought the match was 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 perfectly adequate. I thought Cody's promo afterwards was really strong as well. This is a guy who's just he is in the mode to do this. He is ready to have this match and he, you know, it's like he's using all this kind of internal struggle that he had of, you know, the fact that when his dad died, WWE didn't really want to push him and they didn't trust him and then he left and then, you know, he went went everywhere, you know, to try and get over and then he went to AEW and he's using all that in these promos to kind of show how much it means to him that he's now in this position where he's made of it in WrestleMania. So, yeah, and it's it's just fun to see someone who is in their element and it's and it's working. So yeah, and I think also another thing I like about it is you can see that they've given him a lot of creative control, a lot of freedom over what he can say and the way he says it. That's obvious. Yeah, um, and I think that really works for him as well. I mean, we see that obviously with Paul Heyman. No one's coming up to Paul Heyman before the show and saying, "Here you go, Paul, say that." <laughs> No one's doing that with Roman Reigns. And there's certain people who have, you know, have got the level of respect and authority backstage and, you know, credibility, you know, the confidence of the creative team that, you know, we want you to say this, this and this, but you just say however you feel you should say it. You know, that's what's going on. And it works really well for them. Yeah. And I th- and I think the yeah, I think it's, it's working really well. And um it, it feels like it feels like the main event of WrestleMania doesn't feel, and I'm I'm happy that I know some people. I do understand why some people feel a little bit bad for Sammy because he was he you know, he is over and he's kind of he's not been put in that position. But at least they're putting the the time into somebody who's going to be around. You know, if they were if this was the Rock that was having this match, although it would be big, like you know, to quote John Cena, "Where will you be on April eighth? You know, I'll be at Raw. You won't be." And yeah. Cody's going to be doing all the shows. He's going to be everywhere. So 
Um, it's a good choice. I did want to give a shout out to Austin Theory. I thought he was really good in the backstage segment with Street Profits, where they tried to kind of take the piss out of him for the Cena segment, and he just kind of he owned them. Really, he just uh, you know said, well, "What about you two? You know who's the who, who's the toughest member of the Street Profits?" And then he settles on Dawkins. He tells Ford he's a joke, um, and then and you know basically. Dawkins ends up challenging Theory to a match, and at the end, Theory says, "Oh, and what is it? You two didn't WrestleMania again? Oh, that's right, nothing." And laughs and walks off. So, it, I thought it was a clever segment to have. You know, some baby faces kind of try and rip into him, and have him kind of have the last laugh of saying, "I got the big match with John Cena in WrestleMania. I've got what I want." You know, and and hopefully, the, hopefully, the last week of the the, the, the last Raw before WrestleMania. We'll get something where Austin Theory gets to say something to Cena face to face to kind of make it feel a bit more of an even keel. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was yeah, it was um, quite something to see um, the smiles wiped off uh, the faces of Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, and they were there just belittling and mocking Theory for the you know the way he was owned by Cena the previous week, and then Theory said that uh, Ford and Dawkins would soon be unemployed. I mean. <laughs> No, that would that'd be enough to kill your spirits, wouldn't it? You're thinking, well, well what if we are? And uh, and then, yeah, Dawkins uh, challenged Theory to a match and Theory agreed and then Theory had the last laugh. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with the Street Profits. I mean, Montez Ford had this big performance at Elimination Chamber and they haven't capitalised that on that at all. He's really done nothing at all that's really made an impression on me since Elimination Chamber. And that was a hell of a performance that he entered in that match. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what's going to happen next. And I want to believe that something's going to happen. I don't fancy Dawkins's chances when this team split. I just don't see anything special in him at all as a singles guy. And um, I mean, Street Profits, most of the star power belonged to Montez. So I think he's going to be in a lot of trouble when his team splits. And I think they need to because it doesn't look like the Street Profits are going to get that tag team tout reign. If it was going to happen, it would have happened last summer. And it just feels like the treading water to me. Yep. Um, I did want to bring up next, <clears throat> it happened on SmackDown initially, but I thought it's better, better to just kind of talk about it all in one chunk because uh, they announced the first Hall of Famer for this year on SmackDown and it was Rey Mysterio who, obviously is massively deserving to be in a Hall of Fame that also is occupied by Coco Beware. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, to- and don't forget about Tori Wilson, right? Tori Wilson! What a luminary! Um, hey, apparently, is he right? I've, I read somewhere that Stacey's going in this year. Did you read that? I did, I did. But this, I mean, it, it kind of highlights how badly their women's division was booked, but, you know, no offence to them, they were very over. But um, you know, they, because there's nobody else, there's no, and, and then you kind of need to rewrite history. You kind of need to pretend that every woman was a massive star, because you get nobody else to put. I mean, I would like to see them put in, like a bull McCann. I'd like to see her go in, or a or yeah. Jazz, Victoria. You know, people who actually were, were grafted. I think they and they would. It would mean so much to them to go in. I think. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he will. I mean, Bull Nakano should be in there for sure. I mean, you know, after that tribute to Bull from Beth yeah, with yeah. the makeup at Elimination Chamber, and I believe Bull Nakano did acknowledge that on social media. Wonderful. I mean, she should. I mean, it's a travesty that she isn't in already. Let's be honest. 
I mean, she didn't really do a whole lot in WWF, but my God, you look up her record in all Japan women's pro wrestling promotions. I mean, I mean, she was the biggest star there for years, you know, in the post um, uh, Nageo uh, era and post Krushkal's era. And she was like, you know, such an ing- amazing in-ring performer and huge star. So she absolutely deserves it. I mean, even when you look at just her WWF record, um, and just her just her WWF record, she 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 was so memorable. You know, those matches that she had with Alundra Blaze were so memorable um, compared to you know most of the. I mean, God bless Lilani Kai. You know, but you know, I I don't really remember Lilani Kai stuff that I watched, but I remember Bill yeah. McCann yeah. stuff, and she was only doing you know what five matches that were televised. Anyway, um, it was. So, yeah, so Ray gets put in the Hall of Fame. They bring him out on SmackDown. He's about to kind of, you know, take in his flowers for, for it, figurative, obviously. And Dom comes out and says, you know, you're you're a terrible father. I wish I was Eddie's son. Um, you know, are you going in the deadbeat, the, the Hall of Fame of deadbeat dads and all this kind of stuff? And Ray just kind of, refu- again, refuses to fight him. And then it leads to a, a, a six-man with Legado del Fantasma and Judgment Day. But then here on Raw, Ray comes out again. He he this time gets to kind of say, you know, thank you. And everyone's chatting, you deserve it. And then, of course, Dom comes out and he says, uh, you know, you, you're only in the Hall of Fame because you ignored me. You know, you... Uh, so what was really funny to me, I don't know if you popped for this as well, Finn, but so Dom's cut, cutting this kind of quite serious heel promo, right? But he's kind of saying, you're only in the Hall of Fame because you neglected me. You know, you I didn't, you know, there was all these times where, you know, you were going to be there for me, you never were. And it's quite a kind of, you know, emotional moment that they're having. And then he says, and then when I was 16, you promised me a new car and all my friends came around with their Mercedes and you just got me a BMW. And it wasn't even an M series. Oh God, it was so good. But what was even better about this was Dom was laying into Ray and this doesn't normally happen. He doesn't normally receive the what treatment because he's so over and if you go back and look at that SmackDown tag match, each time Dominic tagged into the ring was this wall of noise. It's just barrage, torrent of just hate, you know, fell upon him, was you know, bombarded at him by the audience. And he's just so over as a heel. People genuinely dislike him because of the way he's behaved to his father. So here on Raw, he's going through this same sort of similar routine. And uh, but fans are chanting what at him, which is, as we know, is very off putting for the performers. Yeah, I mean, I would never do that, I think it's really disrespectful to uh talent to do that to them. But you know, people do do it, and Dom held it together. I was thinking, don't crack, don't you fall apart here. These people are trying to get to you, and don't let them. And then he and then he hit his dad with that line about I wanted a Merc, but you got me a BMW. And that was the moment when it went from being like a what moment to when people were really mad. This ungrateful punk kid, how dare he say this to his dad? And that got them back on side, you know, or back, not back on side, back to where they should be, which was booing Dominic rather than, you know, mocking him with what chance and not really taking him seriously. So, yeah, this was, this was really good. Uh, called uh, Dominic called Ray a sad excuse for a father and a man, and then Dominic challenged Ray to a match in Mania. Uh, Ray refused. 
He refused to go along with it. He left. Um, so the challenge has been issued. It's been put out there. And um, I think the, the, they've plotted this one masterfully, Kenny, because it would be the easiest thing in the world, you know, for Ray to have agreed to this match two weeks ago, three weeks ago. But when he does finally agree to it, I don't know when that will be. I mean, probably next week. I don't know. But it's coming up anyway. He's going to obviously agree to it. I think the pop will be even louder because they put so much, you know, they've invested so much in this that I think the return will be even bigger when we get what we know Ray's going to give us and when we get what we absolutely want from this series, which is a match between father and son. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, there's so there's so many ways they could go with it. I mean, the complement to this feud, I would never have expected that a Dominic and Rey Mysterio feud would be as good as this is. It's just... It's it's it it might end up being Ray's Ray's best feud since Jericho in two thousand and eight or whatever two thousand nine whatever you and it might even be better if you think about the, the amount of time how little they've actually done physically to keep it building, um you know they've they've really played the long game with it so I hope that the the match is uh, is as good as we want it to be. Did you see who's inducting Ray into the Hall of Fame? Is it Conan? It's Conan. Wow. It's been approved. Conan will be inducting him. So, um, mm. interesting. Um, we did... That is quite something, isn't it? That Conan is, I mean, I think it's, I think it's the right choice. He's been with that, been with Ray since the, I don't know, the, the beginning of his career, but certainly very early in it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was a huge part of his basically, you know, brought him to ECW and then the ECW gig. You know, was such a success in terms of match quality that Bischoff wanted a piece of the action, so he hired them all in '96, and they came in and you know had huge you know careers there, and obviously lots of frustration in WCW as well. But you know, they all benefited from it, and then from there, Ray obviously went to WWE in 2002, and um, has been there on and off ever since, and has been you know a huge star, and a huge success, and done very well out of it. And now his son is as well. But I'm with you, yeah. I think this Ray and Dom feud, I, I've really enjoyed it. I, I really like the way they paced it. I wrote about it in the last issue of the magazine, and um, really enjoyed that little piece I did on it. And from the top, and found it quite difficult to write actually at first. I don't know why. I know that some people might think, well, you find writing really easy, Finley, after all these years. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I find it really difficult. And just goes where and oh no, that's not right. Scrub that, start again. I still go through all that after all these years. And um, but I mean, yeah, I really love the way that they've you know they've worked this chip, the the whole Dominic character from the heel turn, and and it feels to me like the character's growing as well. It's not quite as much of a coward as it was just like four or five weeks ago. Yep. And it should always progress. That is. You know, the definition of character development, after all, is there should always be progress in character. And it just feels like it's um, doing so well. And, um, you know, as I said, the fact that he held his nerve, didn't crack up when the um, audience were chanting what at him and just carried on with the script and just delivered it perfectly. I think he's I think he's done really well, Dominic. I really like the way Ray is just Ray, in a sense, hasn't really had to do much because Dom's had all the all the lines or. And and he's had all, in a sense all the glory because yeah. Ray's back down throughout this. But Ray's performance has been in has been vital to the success of this feud because he has shown this weakness and vulnerability, hasn't he? 
And that's what's made Dominic come across as such an ogre um, and has been, you know, the cause of this amazing heel heat that he's uh, generating week after week. Yeah, and I, one of the concerns that I think we both had and we talked about it on the podcast was that the prison dom stuff would become so comedic that it would kind of take away the edge of the the race stuff. And they've done a really good job of kind of minimizing the dom, the prison dom stuff so that now that we're getting the kind of escalation of Ray and Dom, it's not, it's not funny. It's meant to be, you know, he's still being a funny heel, but we still ultimately want to see Ray Mysterio beat the crap out of him. That's what yes. we want to see. So, um, yeah. And if Dom's there just like retreating and is just this coward, like he was like six, seven weeks ago where he was just fleeing from everyone. I mean, yeah. it's amazing really when you think about the progress just in the space last couple of months. If he was that character, it wouldn't feel like any kind of match, would it? Yeah, exactly. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Maximum Male Models. I really got a kick out of them this week. They couldn't compete then. Mansoir couldn't compete because he'd broken a nail, so he wasn't cosmetically cleared. I, I mean, we've you all must been, have heard a lot of... been there, haven't we, Kenny? We've all been there. <laughs> I was going to say, you must, you've heard a lot of excuses in your time why wrestlers won't compete. <laughs> this must be a new one even for you to hear. <laughs> what cracks me up about Maximum Male Models is you look at them and you think, how long has it taken you to get ready today? <laughs> so it's like, and I'm just, I'm glad they're getting more screen time now because like at one point they were getting what? 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Yeah. It was like, they were just like blinking, you miss them act. And now they are at least getting more TV time. And I just, I think they're a lot of fun. Mansoir, Massé and Otis. That's the pronunciation, isn't it? Otis. So he was posing for photos and Chad Gable had been looking for Otis. All sure, didn't know where he was. Was asking around. Even asked Mustafa Ali, he was looking very pleased with himself there, Kenny. Did you notice that? He was, he was. You know, uh, he's playing this pretty cool character and he's just like, mm, you know, he's 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 you know, he's 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 moving forward as well. You know, I've still got a candle burning for Mustafa Ali. You know, I've staked my reputation on this. And you know, I'm, I think I think Ali's gonna. Well, I don't want to say anymore, just in case he does. And just just let it go, let it go. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this was loads of fun uh, with Otis. He's now apparently a member of the Maximum Male Models, and he's um, abandoned Chad. Very, yeah, very, very, very funny. Um, very funny stuff. Um, I did like. I will say, even though the the women's stuff hasn't really hit for me that much in Raw with Bianca and Asuka, I thought that the the damage control attack on Trish Stratus and then the promo from the baby faces later on in the show did heat things up a little bit. So it's a step in the right direction, even if it's still sparkler levels of heat. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You know, it's slightly warmer than the water was in my house earlier today when the boiler wasn't working. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, I mean, yeah, we need more, I think, from from Lita and Becky and Trish Stratus and Damage Control next week. It was, it was just like this beat-down segment uh, backstage. It did look like Trish took a pretty good beating. So yeah. I don't know whether they added a sound effect or that really was her head hitting that, whatever it was, cabinet or whatever it was that made that noise. We got a big noise there anyway when Trish was thrown into something. Um, but, yeah, I would rather see these six out there than Bianca Belair and Chelsea Green. My God, that match was terrible. It was so bad. 
And like on this evidence, I mean, I don't know whether I want to see Chelsea Green in the ring again. Just do backstage stuff. <laughs> do you I think mean, if that... they were to do you think if they were to put Chelsea and Carmel in a team, would it make things better that she doesn't have to rely on singles matches? I mean, because was she not? I mean, I didn't see a lot of it. Was she was, was Chelsea not quite good in impact and she's been quite good elsewhere? Yeah, well, that's right. But I mean I mean, I remember seeing, you know, Madison. I remember writing this in the magazine when Madison Rain was signed by AEW and I'd seen some other stuff in Impact. And this was like last year, not like years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is a really good signing for AEW. And then of course, and in AEW, a match was just dreadful. I was like, well, what's happened? She didn't look like this in Impact. And the same with Chelsea Green. Um, I mean, she's done all sorts of stuff in lots of different promotions, and she normally looked a lot more confident than she, you know, sure-footed and, you know, everything. Um, you know, a lot more professional and competent and, you know, any other word you want to describe someone who can actually do the job. She looked a hell of a lot better than she did in this match with Bianca. I mean, it was, I don't know that I would use the word disaster, but it wasn't far off. It was garbage. And it's like she didn't know what she was doing. And, um, you know, between that match and Shotzi's performance against Charlotte Flair, I mean, I, I mean, the women's division, I mean, it needs re- it needs something, doesn't it, Kenny? And we, and we didn't even have to put it with Ronda or Shayna this week. So we can't blame it on those two. No, we can't. We, we certainly can't. It's, what yeah, happened I... to those two, by the way? Are they going to do anything at WrestleMania or not? Well, because Son- uh, Sandra, Ronda, <laughs> Ronda's injured, isn't she? She's injured. Oh. She, she's going to be back for Mania, but she is injured right now. Right now, So, um, I mean, you've got, to, you've got to think we'd get something on SmackDown this week to kind of at least kind of tell us something is coming. I don't know. Maybe we don't. I mean, you would think that that was that was going to be in our future, but yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, so elsewhere on Raw, what else was there? Was basically the main event, which was Kevin Owens and Solo Sokoa street fight, and kind of to what you were talking about earlier. Kevin Owens had done an interview earlier in the night, hadn't he? Where he'd said that he doesn't want Cody to come out because he doesn't want Cody to risk the WrestleMania match, and Kevin Owens have to be the reason, and he doesn't want Sammy's help for all the reasons he stated. And that ended up being his downfall, was having no backup. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, it was, they went backstage in a street fight and then Jimmy and Jay were waiting there um, to, um, you know, with this ambush, they beat him down, they pasted Owens, uh, took him back to the ring and then Solo scored the pin. So it was a hell of a pasting, really. Um, But as you said, I mean, Owens could have, could have asked for help you know, one against three was never going to end well for Kevin Owens. So maybe this will be the turning point where Kevin realizes, no, I cannot do this alone. I need assistance. I need a helping hand for my longtime pal. So we're going to need, that needs to happen. That needs to, we need to have this reconciliation there between Kevin and Sammy Certainly before we record next week, if not this Friday, certainly next Monday. Indeed, indeed. Well, I mean, so that's kind of, that's it for, for today. That's kind of where we are with, with WrestleMania. And I think that there are obviously some matches that are either announced or are going to be happening that are not, haven't really got that much heat yet, which unfortunately tends to be all the women's matches. But 
there are a there are a, a good few matches. That, you know, I think the IC title match stuff is good. Obviously, Cody and Roman stuff's really good. The Sammy and Kevin Owens against the Usos, Ray and Dom, even Edge and Balor is kind of it feels like a big match for them to have the Hell in a Cell. And yeah, yeah, I think it does. And um, and also, I mean, I want Balor to win. I mean, he needs to win. He yeah. did the job at Chamber, so he needs the win here. Um, and if he comes out as the demon, it feels the match feels big enough that it merits an appearance by the demon. When was the last time we saw the demon, Kenny? Was it WrestleMania against Lashley? Do you think? Yes, I wanted. Yeah, it was because we've not seen him as the demon since because because then he came back to NXT and did Prince Balor, and we've not seen it since then. So I think yeah, the the oh no. Would it, no, it would be, yeah, it would be, because when he faced, I was thinking there, when he faced the Fiend, obviously he wasn't the Demon. Um, so yeah, I think I think it was that Lashley match, unless there's something that I'm forgetting. I'm trying to frantically Google it here to see if there's anything that I'm forgetting. Because then somebody would... right, because, because that sort of seemed unnecessary, didn't it, against Lashley? And it was like, well... Oh, no, just... it, so we do stand corrected. It was actually Extreme Rules 2021 when he came back and brought it against Roman Reigns. Ah, of course. That Absolutely right. Of oh. course. Yeah, yeah I um, remember. But yeah, but I think before, I mean, before that, I don't think there was a time before that. I think it was the the, the, the Lashley one. So it also be, it'll be... This will be the first time we've seen the Finn Balor demon on the main roster as a heel. Yes. So... Yeah, and I th- I think on the night I think because Finn Balor has has been with this company since when 2014, 2015, something like that. Twenty fourteen, I think he signed, didn't he? And he's not had that big WrestleMania match. He's had, you know, he was involved in the good, the the good, the reway, the WrestleMania thirty four was it him, Rollins and the Miz, I think it was for the IC title. It was fun, but it wasn't really a big match. Yeah. Um, but this will be, I mean, this is obviously going to be, this will probably be the biggest match of his WWE career. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Well. I would agree. Yeah, certainly on the main roster. I mean, I know he had a lot of big matches in NXT, but this is, you know, on a different scale entirely, isn't it? Yeah. So probably, yeah, probably his biggest match since the Roman match. And and obviously he had the big Rumble match with Lesnar. That was pretty big as well, wasn't it? But I would yeah. say this is bigger than either. So it'll it'll be... Intriguing to see because then you also think about what is what's the big spot going to be from the Hell in a Cell because there tends to be there's something. Oh what, yeah, what, yeah. What are they going to yeah, do? It needs something spectacular, doesn't it? And and um, and and yeah, and also the difference as well between this and the Roman and the Lesnar match. Hopefully, will be that Balor will win. Yes, that is that is what we want. Uh, well, listen, that's all the time we've got for today. As Finn mentioned earlier, uh, you can pre-order the next copy of Inside the Ropes Magazine, issue 31 at InsideTheRopesMagazine.com with MJF on the cover. And uh, obviously there's coverage of Revolution, there's coverage of Elimination Chamber. Finn's done a big review for that, for Sammy's big night. And then also, I mean, this might be the most stuff you've contributed to an issue, Finn. And you've contributed oh. tons already. But I mean, two interviews, technically. Um, we've got the you know the usual stuff. We've got a pay per view review. I mean, graft is not the word for this month. Yeah, yeah, it's no from the top this month. I'm afraid. So uh, because we that had to be dropped because the Jake Roberts interview ended up being such an epic. So 
we had to ditch that. But there's q and I'm just actually nearly finished that now. So I'll be sending that over tonight. And then obviously what's going down the usual news column. But yeah, this will be my the most I've contributed to the magazine. So, But it's been a five-week month. So yeah. I always used to love five-week months when I was running power stands. It's like, oh, <laughs> why isn't it every month a five-week month? I can handle this. <laughs> well, hopefully once you have submitted everything, you can have a little break and just, you know, smell the roses, have a pint, go a walk up a hill, something that makes you happy. Thank you very much, Kenny. Oh, do the, do a podcast. That makes me happy. There Talking you to you, Kenny, about wrestling makes me happy. That was, I was like pulling teeth to get a compliment over here. Um, but yeah, we want to thank you for all your support. We will, of course, be on Patreon, continuing our, all of our stuff that we do over there. Um, and before you know it, we'll be reviewing WrestleMania 19 on our retro journey that we're on. Uh, Sandra and I are currently watching the horror show that is Monday Night Raw with Triple H's racism at the moment, which is, I've got to say, worse than I remember it being. I yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, I've seen, I think, I think you've commented on Twitter about it. I think you've yeah. mentioned it. Yeah. Because on this day, on this day, you know, Tim from On This Day has posted quite a lot of stuff and I've, I kind of, because I, when I watched it at the time, I would have been 20. Uh, no, I would have been 18. 18, I would have been. And I knew at the time it was bad, but I think now being more of an adult and also being more aware well, of stuff. Yeah. And the world's moved on as well now, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, but I mean, it, we should point out that it was bad at the time. Yeah, nobody was thinking, oh, this is great. Yeah. You know, I mean, but then I think the other thing, I'm not defending it because it's indefensible, but I think had the whole thing been that, that you know, Booker T wins, then it would have been something. But I mean, when you watch it, I would actually encourage, follow the On This Day Twitter account. Um, if you scroll through, you'll see the Triple H promo and the Flair promo. And he puts up like, two minutes of each. And when you watch that, there is no way that you that, that it's not racist. It is. You know, I know Bruce Pritchard's tried to defend it. Say, oh, you know, we just meant guys from WCW. And it's like, come on. That's not what you meant. It's yeah. not at all what you meant. So, um, but yeah. I mean, I was always a huge fan of the book. You know, I was, I remember, I think I did the first piece on him in issue 51, I think he was, with Goldberg on the front cover. Mm-hmm. And uh, like a two-page article on him, that would have been ninety-eight uh, when Booker T uh, just went solo, or quite soon after he'd gone solo in WCW. Yeah. And um, you know, I've been a huge fan, but huge, um, you know, admirer of Booker T, and really saw his star potential very early in his career. And um, you know, I'd always pushed him. You know, really got behind him in WCW. I thought. You know, it was a real shame that he didn't do better there, but there was obviously lots of forces that dragged him down, namely WCW uh, as, a, as, a, as a whole. And I thought he did really well in WWF when he first went there in 2001. And obviously he was part of the Alliance and they lost. But I mean, he was a guy I felt, uh, I, I thought his stuff with Gold with Goldust was loads of fun in that tag mm-hmm. team. Yep. I think he's reinvented himself many times. And I think he's worked really well with lots of people and tried to put them over. And he's been a very giving guy, you know, when he didn't need to be. Yeah. Uh, and he went along with a lot of really stupid things, which he, in hindsight, probably regrets. Um, but this, yeah, this thing in 2003 at WrestleMania, I remember watching it and just thinking, he's got to win. He has to win this. Otherwise, he's scuppered. And then, well, we know what happened, don't we, Kenny? And um, 
you know, I, I, I think it's really sad. It's really sad that that they didn't give him the win after the after that essentially abuse that he had to tolerate with Stan during this angle that we're talking about, storyline and feud that we're talking about at the moment. Um, but yeah, it sh- I mean, even then, there's just no way that should have been on the air. Absolutely no way. And I think it's, I think it shames them. I think everyone involved should be ashamed yep. of what they said and that they went along with it in the way they did. I mean, I'm, I'm excusing Booker here, by the way. I mean, everyone, like Booker, um, Triple H and Ric Flair and certainly Vince and everyone on the creative team who was in a position of power or could have changed this in some way, I think they should look back on this with a, a huge sense of shame. And I, I mean, I, I don't have any inside knowledge of this, but I would presume from the stories that we've heard for years and years and years, I'm fairly certain that the plan was for Booker T to win. And we know who probably got in the ear of people the weekend of the event and sort of said, you know, I think I should keep it, you know, because that's what he would do. A lot yeah. of the time he, he did that when he won, when he got awarded the title in 2002, he won, the original plan was supposed to be a tournament for the Raw title that RVD would win in the final by beating Triple H and Triple H, you know, this, and this is from a former creative team member, Andrew Goldstein, who remembers being in the meetings and, Triple H had said, I think that if, if I get handed the belt, then it means more when RVD beats me. And did RVD ever beat him? No. Because that no. will... And I think, you know, when when we're sitting watching these retro shows, I mean, I feel lucky for you, Finn, because you come in once a month and can do the, the pay-per-views, but I mean, with the <laughs> prospect of two years of, of him at the head of Raw coming, because I've thought, I mean, I've said to you before, that I actually stopped watching in 2004 because I couldn't, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I would read Power Slam and I would watch the pay-per-views sometimes, but I, I didn't really keep up with it um, because I just, by 2004, had had enough. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. I mean, it was... The thing that upset me about it was, <clears throat> you know, aside from what we've just discussed, what we've just discussed, is just, it's just that if had he lost to RVD and just let RVD loose with the belt for six weeks, eight weeks, just put RVD over on a pay-per-view and then beat him, then Rob Van Dam would have been a much bigger star. His career would have been greatly enhanced. He would have brought more people um, as fans of the company, probably would have caused some lapsed fans to start watching again. Uh, And also it would have done his reputation backstage, Triple H is the world of good, because these things that people said about him um, you know, they would people wouldn't have had the ammunition anymore because, like, if so, oh, he didn't put anyone over. All he does is just bury people. You know, it's just self-serving. And then his supporters would have been able to say, no, he put Rob Van Dam over on that pay-per-view. So he's not always been like that. And I just think he would have, he would have just done him his, his own career and his own reputation. You know, so it would have been so beneficial for him personally had he done that as well as for the company because Rob Van Dam would have been a bigger star and he would have drawn more fans to the company and blah, blah, blah. And same as as if he'd done that for Booker T. And I think people would have just held, you know, Triple H in much higher regard than they did. And I think it's just such a tragedy that Vince didn't have, you know, the courage to just say no, no son-in-law. Actually, I don't think they were married then. <laughs> <laughs> no, Paul, we are gonna, you are gonna put that guy over, and then he's gonna benefit from it, and so will you in the long run. 
look at the big picture here, future son-in-law. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and um, yeah, but I mean, and Triple H knows he's clever enough. Like he's not an idiot, so that's what makes it. You know, sometimes I always feel it when somebody said, you know, when, when you when you don't like something that happens or you're annoyed about it, it's almost easier to digest knowing that somebody's an idiot because they don't understand what they're doing. But when someone does understand, does it anyway, that feels worse. Because then it's like, it's, it's, it, there's intent to it. Yeah, exactly. Knowingly and willfully did this. Yeah. You know, obviously. But anyway, we've got all that to come, um, coming up. So, um, yes, please do join us over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes. And you can, uh, yeah, check out uh, all, all the stuff we do over there. But Fen, I hope that you uh, get your stuff out the way and can enjoy part of your week. But we will be back on Thursday with Power Slam, as always. Fantastic. Okay, Kenny, I'll speak to you then. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.